going to spend the next month, you know, as a new church, we're, we're just kind of getting, you know, things established and, and everything kind of in order. And I really felt like that it, it was a very key time to really focus on who we are, like our identity, like who has, why has God, I mean, does really like the Metroplex really need another church? And that's what I argued with God, you know, um, a couple of years ago, whenever God started putting in our heart, you know, it was almost two years ago that God started putting in our heart to come plant a church. I was like, really, God? I mean, I used to make fun of people that would go to the Metroplex to plant a church. I was like, seriously? Like, the Metroplex needs another church? And, uh, you know, I think as long as there's lost people, there probably needs to be another church because uh, uh, church planting is probably one of the largest forms of evangelism that there is. And, uh, man, I don't know. And, you know, it would be easy for people to criticize, you know, why did, why did y'all move to Dallas? Why didn't you move somewhere that was harder? Why didn't you move to, like, Houston? I mean, Houston's hard. Why didn't you move to Austin? Austin's hard. It's like, man, it wasn't my idea. It was never my idea to plant a church. I was like, no, God, I'm not going to plant a church. Like, I told God that a long time ago. I said, I'll, I'll be a pastor, but I'm not going to plant a church. But how I many you know sometimes God has different plans than our plans? But, but the cool thing about God is he has a way of persuading us in his kindness, in his, in his loving kindness, in his tenderness, and, and persuading us. So what is overflow? Why did God call us here to meet on Saturday nights in Grand Prairie? What is overflow? The what and the why? Why do we exist as a church? Well, first of all, overflow is not the church. Overflow is a church, a little C church that is a part of this bigger thing, which was God's idea called the church. And I know the church has been given a bad rap, especially in America. We like to bash on one another. We like to hate on one another. We want to talk about what we're, no, what we're not doing very good at. And we like to say, well, if the church would do this and the church would do that, how many know that it is still God's plan A for the church, for, for the earth is the local church. That is God's plan. It's God's first plan. He didn't, he didn't look over all these other plans and say, well, I don't know if those will work out. So I will put in a church. We know it was God's plan to put the church here. We are the bride of Christ. The the word in the Greek for church is ekklesia, which means the church, the assembly. I'm sorry, the church, yes, the assembly, a gathering of the called out ones. So whenever we say the word church, that's what we're saying is we're saying we're assembly of people that God has called out, that God picked us out, that God called our name, and he said, you're going to be together here. So we've got like the global church, the church, the capital C church, if you will. And then we have the church like overflow church. Are you with me? And so many people will, will argue, they'll say, okay, well, well, th- what's the purpose of the church? And I mean, this is kind of like a, kind of a hot topic. What's, what's the, the purpose of the church? Well, some people say, well, the purpose of the church is to go out and feed the homeless. The purpose of the church is fellowship and encouragement. The, fe- the, the purpose of the church is worship. So I'm asking you that tonight. Is it, is it fellowship? Is the purpose of the church encouragement? Is the purpose of the church worship? Is the purpose of the church to, to serve the world with humanitarian efforts? Is the purpose of the church evangelism? What is the purpose of the church? Yes, all of the above. But can I tell you tonight that these are all just trees in the forest? And the problem is, is whenever we come in and we say, well, this is what the church is. The church is all about A. And we'll say, you know, homeless ministry, or the church is all about discipling people. So we have 12 people in our church and nobody else is getting discipled, right? Or the church is all about fellowship. So all it's about is just getting together and hanging out and, you know, talking about how bad the Cowboys played last weekend, right? 
And so we have all these different ideas, and all these ideas are great, and all these ideas are noble, and all these things are a part of our purpose. But let me tell you tonight that they are all just trees in the forest of this great thing called the kingdom of God. So the church really isn't about a building. It it, it is more about a people that represent God to the earth and on the earth. We are part of God's dominion on the planets. So the purpose of the church is to to demonstrate and advance the kingdom of God. God. If you need to take notes tonight, you can go to overflowdfw.com on your app. You can't take notes there, but you can follow along with us if you'd like to. Um, on your mobile device there. But listen, the church is God's expression of the kingdom of God on the earth through his people. That's what the church is. The church is just the kingdom. Now, now, get this. The, the, the kingdom is not just the church, right? Are you with me? The kingdom is heaven and the church on earth. This is what the kingdom of God is. And as, and as God is demonstrating the kingdom through people, that's what we call the local church. Now, Jesus first mentions the church in Matthew chapter 16. Are you guys with me? We'll pull that up. Matthew chapter 16. Now, this is the, the, this is the time that Jesus mentions, the first time that Jesus mentions the, the local church. All right? So he's setting it in order. He says, this is what it's going to be like. And he's got his disciples there. Come on, how many know when Jesus had something really good to say, he made sure that he had a good crowd around, right? So he has like his boys right there, and they're talking about it. And it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then I love what Jesus does. He looks at the disciples and he makes it personal. But who do you say I am? And listen, I believe that this is the most important question that was ever asked in human history right here. Who do you say I am? Because Jesus is, how many know that Jesus is wanting to know like the knowledge? Like who are people saying, what are, what are people saying about me? And like, oh man, they're saying this, that, that. You know, it's kind of the way it is sometimes in the kingdom. We're like, what do you say about God? Oh, God's God, God's good. And da, 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 da. But who do you say he is? You know what I'm saying? It's like, not, I mean, we, we got all these good Christianese and all these great little truths about things. But who do you say he is? What has God revealed about his nature in your life? Sure, Christ, son of the living God. But what else has he revealed in your life? Have you been healed? Then, then you know Jesus is healer, right? You're like, man, he's good and he's the healer, right? He's Christ, son of the living God, and he's my healer. Come on, however Jesus has revealed himself to you, that's how you know him. So the reason why the disciples knew that, because they were people that were around him. They were witnessing all the miracles. They were seeing all this thing. And so Peter pipes up and he said, well, they're saying all this, but we know that you are exactly who you say you are. We know that you are Christ, son of the living God. And then Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Don't you love when Jesus makes the name change? He says, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say, my church. This isn't my church. It really isn't your church. I mean, it is, but it's not. not. It's his church, right? We're the stewards of it. And the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome it. And then check this out. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is having this conversation, and he starts off, and we've talked a little bit about it tonight. He says, who do you say that I am? And this question was answered by a God-given response. Come on, are you with me? The reason why Peter had this God-given response, what we would call revelation, how many know that that's a God-given response? When all of a sudden you get something that nobody else gets or you've never got it before, it's like a, my, my friend Ben illustrates it this way. He's like, he's like, do you know what color socks I have on right now? No, you don't know what color socks. But if I lift up my pants, you will see that I have, I don't even know what, striped socks on. So you didn't know I had striped socks on. I always had striped socks on. But all of a sudden, now you have the revelation that I have striped socks on. That's what revelation is. Something that you didn't know before, but all of a sudden now is revealed. It was always there. It was always known. God hasn't changed. It's just all of a sudden you are in on it. All of a sudden, you get it. So it starts with a conversation. Who do you say that I am? And let me just say this about revelation. Knowledge is for your head. Right? All those other people, they had this head knowledge. They thought up all these things. Oh, maybe maybe Jesus is this. And maybe Jesus, I mean, surely he's not the Messiah. I mean, we've been waiting for thousands of years. Surely he's not going to show up today. Oh, maybe he is one of the apostles. And then Jesus is like, who do you say I am? So knowledge, listen, is for your head, but revelation is for your heart. And let me also say this about revelation. You can't have revelation without an encounter. The reason why Peter had this revelation, because he had been, he was one of Jesus' boys. He was hanging out with Jesus all the time. And so his heart was transformed and his heart was enlightened. How many know that it was a heart connect with God that he had when he said, you are Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus was like, yeah, nobody told you that except God. That's one of the, the core things here at Overflow. It's, man, it's, we're not, we're not, it's, it's not good enough for us just to know the Bible and have it mere, memorized. Man, we want to experience the Word. We want it to be real in our life. We want a revelation of God's truth. We want it exposed in our life. We want a revelation of the healing of Jesus whenever I have a headache. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Or when somebody's sitting in a wheelchair. I want a revelation of the healing of Jesus. I know what the Word says. Come on. I want to experience it for real. So I love what Jesus says. He makes several statements. We've already talked about the first one. Who do you say that I am? And then he makes a statement. He says, upon this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia. Right? I'm going to build my rock. I'm going to build my church on this rock. Now he's talking to Peter, and he just changed Peter's name. Interesting, right? Well, the word Peter actually means Petros, which actually means little rock. Right? Right? Now, check this out. There's been a lot of controversy over the scripture over the years because some people are saying, okay, well, what what, what was Jesus building the church on? Was Jesus building the church on Peter? Or was Jesus building the church on Peter's confession that he had from his revelation? So which was Jesus speaking of? What was he building his church on? May I submit that Jesus meant neither. Neither. Because it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, no one can lay any foundation other than the one that we already have, Jesus Christ. How many know that Jesus establishes the church on himself? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. But may I also submit that it is neither but both. 
whoa, 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 you're contradicting yourself, Josh. You just said, no, no, I, yeah, hold up. Both. See, the name Peter actually means Petros, which we just talked about a few minutes ago, and that means little or a piece of a rock. It was a rock that, that could be moved, a movable stone, a stone that could, you could actually turn over with human hands. It was, it was a rock. It was a good rock, but it could be moved around. How many know that Peter proved to be a movable rock? Right? Jesus was speaking of a bigger rock. Peter was still in on it. He was still a piece of the rock, but Jesus was speaking of a bigger rock. Peter had a revelation, and let me tell you, he was going to need another revelation later to fulfill what Jesus was talking about, right? He was going to have to have another encounter, right? Because we see this scripture fulfilled of this thing being launched in Acts chapter 2, where Peter and the disciples have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, right? That's like launch date of the church. It didn't didn't happen because they were having all these awesome planning meetings, right? Right? They probably didn't even have a purpose statement written out. You know what I mean? They would have totally failed as a church in America, right? Right? They didn't go to any conferences. Right? They're not paying any dues to any denomination, nothing like that. I mean, they're scheduled for fail, you know? Launch date. They didn't even know the launch date. They're just praying, crying out to Jesus for what Jesus promised, and then boom, hit with the Holy Spirit. They have another encounter and another revelation. Are you with me? And so Peter got this revelation. Let me just say this again. Revelation is the byproduct of an encounter. We're not pursuing revelation. We're not saying, oh, God, just show me something. Just show me something. What we're saying is, God, reveal Jesus. Would you show up? Like tonight during worship, I can't tell you how many times that I'm like, when I'm, when I'm searching for things, when I'm searching for truth, when I'm searching for, Lord, would you give me revelation on this? And I'm looking for revelation. How many of you know that I hardly ever get it, but whenever I'm just pursuing Jesus, I'm like, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Boom revelation and i'm hammered and I'm, I'm going to people i'm like did you know like that god loves you right remember when you first got that revelation? did you know that like the love of god is like incredible and it's overwhelming and people are looking at you like yeah 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 i know that and that means number one either they haven't had that revelation yet or they've already had it right and so you're just like oh, the love of god, and you're all wrecked by it for 14 weeks right 14 years. Hopefully you never get over that one because I mean, you know that that's an ever-expanding revelation, the love of God. Deep, 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 deep. So he speaks of Petros, this little rock, and then he speaks of Petra, not to be confused with Christian rock band Petra, a large foundational Stone. So Jesus says, Peter, you're a piece of the rock. And then he says, upon this rock, Petra, this huge rock, I'm going to build my church. So Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm going to build it on Peter. Yeah, I'm going to build it on the confession that Peter is making. But yeah, I am building it on something greater. Jesus was saying, upon this rock, what this moment is made of, a revelation of my reality of who I am and what I'm about to do. This is what the church is built on. It's built on the reality of Jesus. It's built on that revelation that whenever we have this encounter with him, that we are totally exposed to his reality. And I'll tell you that you can't, this is the thing with Jesus, is you can't encounter him and be the same. Isn't it interesting that Jesus changes Peter's name in this moment when he's like, I have this revelation. Jesus is like, yeah, we're not going to call you Simon anymore. 
I'm about to open this up for you, Peter. You're just, a, you're just a chip off the rock, but hey, you're part of the rock. You're in on it. In fact, you're in on it in a big way. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor, and you are living stones. Everybody say, I am a living stone. So listen, not only is Peter part of the rock, you are part of the rock that God is building his church, because you are a living stone that God is building into his spiritual temple. So God is building, what is the temple? The temple is where he dwells. The temple is, is where, where he functions from. The temple is the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is God's dominion. It's where God dwells. And he is building his kingdom through you, and he's building his kingdom through me. And he's building his kingdom in Grand Prairie. And some of his kingdoms here, and some of his kingdoms over there. But what we're doing is we're expanding the kingdom of God. This is why God wanted us to plant a church, because there were still dark areas of a region. There were still dark areas in the Metroplex. So he said, man, I'm going to have to go put another church there so I can take more dominion. And you're in on it. See, our desire at Overflow is that people would encounter the reality of Jesus, that they would have moments like Peter and the other apostles have. We believe that when people encounter Jesus like this, not only will it transform their life, it will actually transform a neighborhood. It will actually transform a family. It will actually transform a place of business. It will actually transform a city. It will actually transform a state. Come on, are you with me? It will absolutely transform the world based on what? Encounters and revelation. The dominion of Jesus. I was going to share this later, but I want to share it right now. A couple years ago, three years ago, we were in a real tight spot. God was moving us out of one place movies into another where we were freaking out. We didn't know what we were going to do for money. I'd been doing ministry for like, you know, 17 years or something. And, and uh, that's all I knew. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have this like awesome resume. And so I'm sending my resume out, man, I need to get a job, trying to get all these jobs, make this money so I can provide for my family. So I finally landed a, and I didn't want to work like waiting tables. I didn't want to do something where people would see me because I was on staff at a church. I didn't want to answer questions. I didn't want to be dishonorable or anything like that. And so I ended up going to work at Target at the night shift. Oh, my gosh. It was intense. And so here I am working at Target, going in at like 11 o'clock at night and getting out at like 6 in the morning. And, dude, that's just not me. Like, I don't function very well in that. So, you know, I changed my whole schedule. Everything transforms and all this kind of stuff. And I had to do this. And I had to do that. So I go to work at Target, you know, buy my little red shirt and go on. And I'm stocking shelves at Target. You know, that was pretty cool because I got a little bit of a discount. Come on, holler at Target. It's a good discount. And so I'm at Target. And I'm working at Target. And I'm there. And, like, there's, there's something cool about, like, the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? It's like there, there's something just, like, good about it. There's something about, like, being easily connecting to God in an easy way. I don't know if it's because everything kind of shuts down. That's probably what it is. I don't know what it is. But I, I remember that many times on my way to work, I'd be praying. I'd be seeking God. And I remember being working one night. Man, and I hated it. And I was always complaining. I was like, man, I, and I remember one night having a conversation with a guy. 
oh, what did you do before this? And I began to tell them about what God had done in my life and how God had been using us in ministry and all this stuff. In this moment, I was sitting here thinking, I'm not here to just provide for my family. That's my second. Listen, that's my second agenda at my job. I'm here because I serve the king of glory, and he wants to set up his kingdom right here at Target at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's why I'm here. So then all of a sudden, every time I went to work, I was Pastor Josh. Oh, come on. Who's here? And I wouldn't be all like pastoral or anything, you know. I was just like, here I am. I'm here for, yeah, to raise money for my family, but I'm here. It was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I preached this before. But now I was like forced into it. And I can tell you that was one of the best things that ever happened. I didn't make very much money. It was one of the best things I ever did because I, was, I got this revelation in that because I knew it before, but now all of a sudden it was real that, hey, I am expanding the kingdom of God at 3 o'clock in the morning at Target with 19-year-old guys that just they don't have any purpose in their life. They just graduated from high school and they live with their parents. They're trying to raise money for a sound system for their car. Welcome to the mission field. And so I got this revelation that God, that the kingdom of God is wherever I go. It's not about preaching in a pulpit. It's not, it's not about leading a song in worship. It's not even necessarily always about feeding the homeless, although it does involve all those things. It's about dominating darkness in dark places. And so when you go to work, you don't go to work and say, well, here I am. I'm just working to make some money. And listen, the reason why you complain about your job and the reason why you hate your job because you forgot about the higher purpose that you're there for. We can't forget why we're here. We can't forget what we're doing. I see so many people, they complain, they whine, all this stuff because they forget we have a greater purpose. You have a greater purpose here. The kingdom-driven life. Come on, we think purpose-driven life, God's plan for me. Listen, God's got a plan for the earth. And it includes you. You get to be in on it. All right, settle down. He says this other thing. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, check this out. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, I'm setting up this kingdom thing, Peter. You want in on it? Yeah. Hey, Peter, James, John, hey, you guys want in on the kingdom? Yeah, yeah, we want in on the kingdom. Okay, cool. He doesn't just say, okay, you can be in on the kingdom. He says, listen, we're in the kingdom. Here's the keys. Here, take the keys. It'd be like if I got the keys to my car and I gave them to Ben and I said, here you go. Here's my 2012 Scion. It's all yours. Listen, God didn't, that ain't going to happen. But God didn't just pull you into his kingdom and place you in the kingdom. He gave you the freaking keys for it. He gave you the keys to this thing called the kingdom of God. He gave you the authority for the kingdom of God. He didn't just put you in the game. He gave you the ball. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, the enemy is not going to score. You just keep on going. You just keep on scoring. You just keep on driving forward. I've given you the keys. But what happens is we live on the defense. Oh, this is going so bad. Do you forget that you have the ball in your hand? Do you forget that you have the keys to lock up the depression that's attacking you? Do you forget that? Come on. About to start preaching in here. 
you guys know I like a little bit of response sometimes. It kind of helps me. Thank you. Stand up on me a point, you know, or something. Uh. Listen, God is in charge of this product called the kingdom. God is in charge of the power. But listen, we are in charge of distribution. We are the distributors of what God has given. We are the key holders. We are the manager. Come on. You go to a job and you are given the keys. How many know you've got lots of responsibility once you get those keys? Come on. But you also have a lot of authority. What are keys for? What are keys for? I don't know what this key's for. Won't open nothing in my house. But what are keys for? For opening stuff. Unlocking, locking, right? Accessing things that I've never accessed before, things I couldn't get into before until I had the key. What are keys for? Accessing places that people that don't have keys can access? Do you know that you have keys that nobody else has? That there's places you can go, there's, there's moments with Jesus that you can visit that someone else don't have the keys to that. But you got the keys. You got the keys to certain people's heart in your city. Come on, you got the keys. So we're praying, Lord, would you do this? Would you do this? Would you do this? And he's like, you got the keys. God, would you send revival? Would you send revival to America? Listen, I believe in revival, but revival happens when we go out with the keys and we unlock doors. And we lock other doors. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about. We get into this thing called bonding and loosening, right? It's interesting. Jesus is talking about keys and he says bonding and loosening. I think like some people get confused. Because here he is. He's talking about the kingdom. He's like, man, the kingdom. Here it is. I'll give you the keys. And then he says bonding and loosening. Whoa. Where'd that come from? Because bonding means to tie up, right? And loose means to untie. Well, I want you to think about whenever you read that scripture, stop thinking about the actually bonding. Because what we've done is we've kind of minimized it. And I'm not saying that it doesn't apply here because I believe it does. So we're bonding demons and bonding the spirits and loosing the spirits. And listen, I believe that. I believe that we should do that. But it's so much bigger than that little thing. I mean, you got the keys to the kingdom. The whole kingdom. Dang. That's good. I mean, the whole kingdom, you got the keys. So when you think bonding and loosening, I want you to start thinking, I got keys. I lock and unlock. You don't have to change your prayer language. You don't don't change none of that. You can still use the same terminology. But I want you to think of it as you're releasing things and you're restraining things. And it says this. Back to our scripture. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you restrain, God restrains. Whatever you release, God releases the keys of the kingdom. So we're just crying out to God, God do this, God do that, God do that, God do this. And he's like, you got the keys. Go with it. (laughs) Amen? Listen, God is all about us reflecting what is in heaven. You know what I mean? 
I mean, it's like Jesus, is, Jesus uses this language a lot, doing what the Father says, saying what the Father says, all these kind of things, praying, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, right? The keys to unlock, and then it'll be unlocked in heaven, right? Released, bound, whichever language you want to use there. Don't get caught up in the language, get caught up in the idea And that's what Jesus prayed, Matthew 6, 9. We declare this a lot. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we've talked about this. Some of you are like, oh, man, here Josh goes about the kingdom. Well, just get used to it because this is like the reason we exist. The greatest emphasis of Scripture is the kingdom of God. It starts in the book of of Genesis and, and finishes up in the book of Revelation with the advancement of the kingdom in a whole new level. So the whole of Scripture is really all about this idea of God's dominion. Okay? So just get used to it. We'll talk a lot about the kingdom at Overflow because we believe it's the most important topic because we believe that in the kingdom, all needs are met. We believe in the kingdom that homeless are fed. We believe that in the kingdom that orphans are taken care of because this is what the kingdom looks like because these are our, this is our Father's heart. But when Jesus prayed this, it wasn't just a prayer. It was an actual function because what was happening in here was Jesus walking on this world and he was making this world look like his world. He is making this world that has sickness look like his world where sickness isn't permitted. Right? Making this world look like his world. And that's what we're doing. It's not just a prayer, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is a function. It's not just a prayer, it's a function. Are you with me tonight? So we are the key holders. These are kind of weak keys compared to the keys that Jesus has given you, but we are able to unlock heaven on earth. Did you know that? We are able to unlock heaven on earth. So when there's depression, discouragement on other people or on you, you have the key to lock that up and unlock joy. Come on. We got the keys. Genesis chapter 28, what does it look like? What does it look like when the gates of heaven are unlocked? We see this in in Acts. We we see the disciples actually doing, Jesus said, you do greater things, and they were, right? Not greater like a more powerful, but numerically more, right? So we see this happening, and we're like, whoa. In fact, they accuse them. They're like, oh, you're Christians. You're little Christ. You're being just like Jesus because they are functioning in the same power. How many know that Jesus is the king of glory, but he's also our prototype of how we function on the earth? He's the model. So this is what it looks like. It's seen all the way back in Genesis chapter 28 with Jacob. It says that Jacob came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it at his head and he lay down, lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God ascending, going up, and descending 
coming down. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, your God, the father uh, of your father, the, the God of Isaac, the land in which you live, I will give you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his dream, and he said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. And then he was afraid. He was freaked out. And he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is where God dwells. This is where God lives. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob sees what Peter was being declared to. He was seeing heaven coming, being released to the earth, back to heaven. This incredible connection between earth and heaven happens through people. Are you guys with me tonight? Is this too abstract? So God's idea to move on the earth is not just sovereignly and just show up and do things. He was like, I want to use people. I want to go to the earth. I want to function on the earth through people. So Jacob has this encounter years before speaking of what Jesus would do. That word, when he says, surely this is the gate of heaven, it means an opening of heaven, a opening that was split open. So it was like revelation. It was like all of a sudden it was something that was closed. There, it was always there. Nobody knew it was there. And then all of a sudden God took his hands down and split it open. God opened it. God opened it. Real quick, I want to go over this. What does it look like whenever we open the gates of heaven. What does it look like whenever we unlock heaven's gate on the earth? First of all, it looks like access. Do we got that, Josh? It looks like access, releasing of heaven's activity. The angels were ascending and descending. So we have access with the keys. We have access. When we unlock, we have access. We have access to visitation. We have access to dreams. We have access to visions. We have access to signs, miracles, and wonders. This is what is at our disposal, if you will, because we have the keys, and the gate is open. We have blessing. Making this real easy for you, the ABCs. We have blessing, increase, expansion. This is what God spoke to Jacob. He's like, man, your descendants, they'll, they'll be all over the earth. And are we not through faith? And number three, or C, since it's ABCs and not one, two, threes, is clarity. When we have this open heavens, this open gate, there is a clear communication that we are able to have with the Lord. There's, we have revelation. We have wisdom. We have understanding. There's things that we don't get, and then all of a sudden we get it, right? Because this is what open heavens does. Access, blessing, clarity. So this is our mandate. This is our ambition. This is our purpose as a church, that we are seeking this. 
We are seeking the kingdom. We are seeking the open gate. We are seeking the functionality. Listen, the cool thing about the kingdom is the kingdom is here and it is coming. Are you with me? Like you've got some. You're like, well, Josh, you, you said it's already been given to me. It has, but it's also coming. So it's here, but it's also near. And I love how when Jesus went around preaching about the kingdom and John the Baptist preached about the kingdom, he said the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is within reach. The, and then Jesus would say stuff. He's like, the kingdom is already in you. So Jesus is saying the kingdom is here. And then he's like saying it's near. So which one is it, Josh? Is it coming or is it here? Yes. It's coming and it is here. So tonight I, I kind of want to end with a charge a little bit tonight. I want to want to challenge you a little bit as being part of this community, as being part of this this body. I want to challenge you with what Jesus challenged you with in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 where he says, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else." That's big. I mean, that's like make this the main thing. I thought my family is supposed to be the main thing. Make this the main thing. Without my wife, the main thing. And we're not talking about a little C church. Come on, are you with me? We're talking about the kingdom. Is the church included in that? Yes, but the church isn't exclusive to that. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Take care of my kingdom, be about the kingdom business, and I will take care of you. Put the kingdom first. We at Overflow, we take this kingdom thing seriously. It's our reality. It's what we live for. It's the purpose of our existence. It pleasures his heart, and it enhances our lives because we were meant for this. We were meant to expel the darkness and advance the kingdom. This is what we were meant for. That's why the people that you know that function in the most pleasure, they've got it, and that's what they live for. It doesn't mean that they might not have a job at Starbucks. Come on. It doesn't mean that they're not an excellent husband. In fact, when the kingdom's first, he makes all those other things blessed. The problem is, is we put those things first, and then we kind of fit God in there, and we go, why isn't it getting blessed? It's like, oh, I don't have any money to give to the Lord this month. And you wonder why you can't make it every month. I'm just telling you, I've lived this reality. I've experienced it. It's the way it is. You take care of God's kingdom. He takes care of you. You spend your in- in- energy working the kingdom. Listen, I'm not talking about coming up to the church and working hours. hours. I'm talking about you having a mindset that you are the ambassador of God to your workplace. We're not, we're not talking about the church building. We're not talking about the church body. We're not talking about Saturday nights. (laughs) Come on. We're talking about a mindset. We're talking about a reality that we live in. We take this kingdom thing serious. It is our reality. It's what we live for. See, it's easy to to seek. Say we seek the kingdom first when that means simply going to church It's easy to say, seek the kingdom first when we don't advance any time, spend any time advancing God's heart. It's easy to say the kingdom is first, and it's easy to say when we spend more time and effort being comfortable or being entertained 
than we are being about heaven's agenda. We say, I'll just fit Jesus in to five minutes of my day, or I'll just fit Jesus into like an hour and a half on Saturday nights or four and a half hours because I come and serve. It's easy to say the kingdom is first when we're doing these things. But I'm telling you tonight, it's not just about being good citizens. Does it include all those things? Absolutely, it includes all those things. But that is not a forest. It's a tree.